Welcome to Financial Planning Explained, and I'm your host, Mike Menninger, Certified Financial Planner, owner and founder of Menninger & Associates Financial Planning. I'm pleased to have uh, as my guests today two of my uh, staff. i got Kyle Ryan, Certified Financial Planner. Congratulate Kyle, uh, who just passed his uh, Chartered Financial Consultant exams and should be uh, chartered as a CHFC. And also my newest hire, uh, Nick DeVito. Uh, Nick DeVito, thank you very much for joining us. And it just so happens to be my Temple University contingent, uh, both of which graduated Temple University with their financial planning degrees. Uh, and by the way, on a similar note, both have student loans, which is today's topic. Um, today is Friday, September 2nd, in case somebody sees a rerun on this or by the time it runs that there's changes in regulations. But uh, as we all know, about a week or so ago, uh, President Biden, uh, signed an executive order to provide student loan forgiveness. And with the student loan forgiveness, uh, trust me when I tell you it was confusing in the beginning and we seem to have ironed out certain details of it. However, there still seems to be a lot of ambiguity. So what the purpose of today is going to be is to talk about what in fact um, the government said that they're going to do with regards to the student loan forgiveness, which is actually a three-part uh, sort of proposal. But what became noticeable is the student loan forgiveness. And then what we're going to do is, after we talk about that uh, and some general stuff about loans, uh, what we're going to do is kick in with uh, questions that were asked of us. Now, what we did is, once we learned of this, uh, we pulled together an email and sent it out to all of our clients as a bulletin to let them know and notify them you know, what's going on. Since then, they've responded with a lot of questions as well as just in our, in our research, we've seen a lot of questions on the internet. So sometimes somebody's question helps be able to explain it. So uh, that's the purpose today and I'm looking forward to it because this is a very timely topic and has certainly created a lot of questions. So uh, Kyle, why don't you jump in and tell us the three pieces of it, if you will. Yeah. Um, so Biden came out and released a three-part plan, and on the surface, it almost seemed like it was simple. <laughs> and then you kind of break it down, and you see all the layers underneath, and there's a lot of complexities and a lot of unknowns still. But like Mike said, you know, we wanted to give you guys the facts of what is known today. Um, the plan focused on three things. It's targeted debt relief, which is going to be the focal point of today. That's really the hot topic. Um, and deferment, of course. The second piece is making the student loan payment system more manageable. That has to do with income-driven plans, you know, mm -hmm. some alterations there as well as the public service loan forgiveness program. They've kind of extended that. And the third part, which we'll touch on, but it's not as prevalent, would be the accountability standards that the uh, administration is putting on colleges to make them more accountable to the tuition that they're charging their students because that's why we're here. You know, that's why people have the student loan debt growing and that's, you know, the third part of their plan was to address the looming debt and the the increasing cost of tuition. Well, there's a lot of politics behind it, and we're certainly not here to get into the politics behind it. However, uh, one thing's for certain is that there's a lot of debate right now as to whether or not this is this executive order that was signed by President Biden is considered to be constitutional. Some argue that this type of relief plan had to go through Congress first, as opposed to an emergency plan, which they did for COVID. And that's, so there may be some debate as it pertains to that. And certainly what hasn't been a debate over years is the rising and rapid rising of college tuition costs. Uh, it's been out of control and that has created a lot of problems that we are seeing in the United States as far as our economies are going is because a lot of the students are graduating from college with such debt 
that it's inhibiting their ability to buy homes because basically their student loan debt may as well be a 15 or 20 year mortgage because their payments are so high. So it's actually crippling the economy a little bit in some regard. And that's why this is becoming a topic. And, you know, I've heard before that the, the colleges and universities, hey, they're going to ask for the money and they're going to get it. And as such, they're very inefficient with their use of the money. But that's a separate issue. And that's the one part that they're going to try to address. And my comment on that is good luck. We're not going to spend much time on it. <laughs> but let's talk about the student loan forgiveness. And the irony of it is that we got two guys over here who have student loans. And so they're potentially benefiting. Yeah. But, so because of that, Nick, you, you were really got into yeah. it. So why don't you talk about the student loan forgiveness piece? Yeah. So the big headline, the hot topic, you know, Kyle mentioned it, is the forg loan forgiveness aspect of it. So that's up to $20,000 in debt relief. And that's $20,000 if you had received Pell Grants. It's $10,000 for everyone else. And the important thing to know with this is there it are income limits with it. So for a single person, it has to be $125,000 or less in adjusted gross income. If you're married filing jointly, it goes up to 250000 So it's really important to keep those limits in mind when you know, going through this whole process because you want to make sure you are under those limits before applying. And as we talked before the show, they're basing it on 2020 and yeah. 2021 tax returns, not 2022. Yeah, and it is 2021 or 2020. So if you qualified in either one of those years, you're, you're able to apply for some forgiveness. And for what it's worth, the reason behind it is the politics because if it was based on 2022 income they wouldn't be able to do an executive order that's an emergency whereas if it's 2020 or 2021 it enables them to say well this is still a COVID issue and therefore they can do the emergency funding yeah. type of thing yeah. they so, also probably don't want people to play with their income <laughs> and start yeah. trying to qualify for well that. trust <laughs> me because we would be doing that with our clients and yeah. there's no question in my mind that's that's why when we found out that the 2022 i'm like shucks now i can't play games mm -hmm. because you know we do that all the time with the tax plan so uh, another comment is the Pell Grants, um, because one of the things we're going to talk about is the difference between grants and loans. And it, it, it's a misnomer when you hear Pell Grant, because a grant is when they give you the money. Yep. A loan is a loan. So by definition, a person who gets a, gets a Pell Grant is someone who's in lower income. And if they're lower income, what they're doing is they're given the opportunity for those folks to be able to get a $20,000 relief because they're lower income, then people may have higher income. What, what is that limit for the Pell Grant, do you know? There's not a set limit per se, but there was statistics that came out that 93% of recipients under an income, an AGI, adjusted gross income of 60,000, were 93% of the recipients had income of less than 60,000. Okay, now when you're talking about income, is it the income of the student or income of the parent? So that's, it depends on your tax filing st status. So if you're a student and your claim is dependent on your parents' tax returns, it goes off their income, not right. yours. If you're filing single by yourself, it's based on your income. Okay, so the, the kids who are still in college, that's good. And, and I know one of the questions that was asked was, who can get it? Can a current student get it? Or is it only graduates? Is it grad school students? Yeah. Who's eligible? Anyone with a federal loan is eligible. So that can be someone who's currently in college. That can be someone who just recently graduated. Someone who graduated 20 years ago. It doesn't matter as long as it's a federal loan. And it does apply for undergrad tuition and graduate tuition. Okay. And I believe also is the loan had to have been taken out prior to July of 2022, correct? Yep, that's correct. Okay, good. So you referenced federal loans. Can you give me an idea of what federal loans are? 
Yeah, so basically a federal loan is just money that you're loaning from the government, plain and simple. Um, so private loans in this particular instance do not qualify for the forgiveness. So it's just about those federal loans. That can be Stafford loans, Parent PLUS loans, Graduate PLUS loans. There's a, there's a plethora of federal loans out there. And I understand we talked about this yesterday too, that Sally May mm -hmm. went from public yeah. to private in, in 2014? 2014, 2014, that's correct. Okay, good, good. Anything else with regards to uh, the loan forgiveness program that you can think off the top of your head? Uh, just, just another comment on the different types of loans. You know, they are relatively simple in terms of the federal student loans out there. You know, they, they do have their niche types of loans where, you know, that you can really get down and break them down. But, you know, just, just like you had mentioned, Nick, it's Stafford loans. Sometimes they're subsidized. You can have direct subsidized, direct unsubsidized loans. Subsidized are just generally better rates for you. Um, they're income dependent. Um, unsubsidized loans are probably the most common form of student loan because you, you, I, myself, as a borrower, can get them. My parents can get them if they're taking out loans on me, which begs the question, you know, if I get forgiveness, right, I get $10,000 for forgiveness on student loans I took out on myself, can my parents take out, get forgiveness on student loans they took out on me? And the answer is yes. Right. right. As long as you fit the income qualifications. Right. There's a debate on that. And to clarify the subsidized versus unsubsidized loans, I always joke, what's the difference? One of them subsidized. <laughs> All right. Great. Thanks. Um, but the, the subsidized loans basically are subsidized by the federal government so that if you take out a Stafford loan and you took it out freshman year, if it's unsubsidized, you don't have to make payments, but accrues interest while you're in school. Yep. However, a subsidized student loan means that you do not have to pay any interest until after you graduate, which, by the way, is it true that, that when we had the forbearance since COVID, have all student loans been forgiven as far as accumulating interest? Yeah, um, they're deferring. So they're deferring payments, they're deferring interest rates. The federal interest rate on student loans has been dropped to zero as of the start of the pandemic when they first made those, you know, those oh, actions. Okay. Yep. So they, it's not that they're, they're not accruing interest, it's just the interest rate is zero for the Right, period. okay, which is yeah. basically the same thing. <laughs> yeah, what yeah. about the unsubsidized? Are the unsubsidized and the parent plus is also at a zero loan? So 0%? unsubsidized, you can't really define it by that because you can have unsubsidized, I, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, federal loans and unsubsidized private loans. And okay. it really just depends if only federal loans got this treatment. I know, you know, something out there is that they're working on getting private loans forgiven, but we won't go there because that's speculation. Right. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. Good. So let's take a peek at the second slide that we put together, general information about loans, because this can also throw out a couple things. So we talked about loans versus grants. Uh, you know, a grant is basically saying, all right, we're going to give you $10,000. Whereas a loan is, we're going to give you $10,000, which you got to pay us. Yeah, yeah. yeah right. free money versus what you pay back. Yeah. I know, and you know, that's frustrating because I remember when my son was going to school, we were taking a look at all of the loan sheets and they're saying, well, you know, uh, we're going to give you a loan and we're going to give you work study and going to give you all these things. I'm like, well, that's not really giving me money. Mm -hmm. Okay, I like free money personally. Yeah. That's, you know, <laughs> I don't know, just, just me. Uh, and the interest rates we talked about, the interest rates we found is the government loans are always the lowest. And I found, too, in my history is that the um, subsidized Stafford loans are also the lowest of all of the interest rates. Yeah. Now, they also have, and this question has been asked of me numerous times, you know, I have clients saying, hey, Mike, what should I do here? They're asking me whether I should take a fixed or variable interest rate, mm -hmm. okay? And the answer to almost every question that we have is it depends. But basically, a fixed interest rate is that if your loan is going to be a 15-year loan, a fixed interest rate, they might say, all right, we're going to do 6%, done, okay? Whereas a variable interest rate may start off as a lower interest rate, but every time we hear 
the Fed comes out, we're going to raise interest rates by three quarters of a percent. Boom, your loan goes up by three quarters of a percent. So that's tricky. So you know, it's been asked of me, should I take uh, fixed or variable? And more recently, someone asked me when the fixed was six and the variable was five, I'm like, I'd be all over the fixed because you can reasonably project that the Fed's going to raise interest rates at least another one and a half percent between now and the end of the year. And this may have even been before they raised the rates three quarters of a percent a few weeks ago. So uh, it, it's tough. But then if the rates go down, then your interest rates go down. But what you'll find is early on you're accumulating a whole boatload of interest. And that's just not good for... Uh, it's Yeah, it's generally dependent on the interest rate environment when you're getting the loan. You know, uh, the thing about fixed rates, too, is you can always refinance them. Yeah. Right. So if you get stuck with a high interest rate loan and you're, you know, if you get an 8% low, 9% and the current going rate's six, just refinance your loans. Yeah, I, I agree with you. But if the one thing I will say to that as a caveat, because it has been, especially after this was announced, private student loans, because they don't get for forgiveness, I know plenty of folks out there who refinance their public student loans, their, yeah. their federal student loans, went private, no forgiveness. I know. Yeah. So be careful, right? I, you know, a you lot know of people I'm making payments throughout all of the forbearance because they have private loans. Right. So, and I believe, too, uh, from the student loan forgiveness, and we talked about this as well, that if someone was paying their loan through COVID during forbearance and they qualify for the student uh, loan forgiveness, that they actually get that money back. Yeah. It all depends, once you said that deadline of the forbearance it began in march 2020 so if you've been making payments on federal loans since then you may be eligible to get some of that money back you want to contact your loan servicer about that they'll be able to give you more information but yeah that's correct yep perfect all right so we're up against break already uh we're going to pick up right where we left off uh, just stay tuned we'll be back with you in just a few moments have you saved enough for retirement are you financially prepared for an emergency or unexpected event? Have you thought about your financial future? Hi, I'm Mike Manager, founder of Manager & Associates Financial Planning. For over 20 years, we have been answering our clients' questions just like these as we develop unique and comprehensive financial plans tailored to meet their needs. When addressing your financial plan, we incorporate your entire financial picture, including taxes, estate planning, as well as investment planning and retirement planning. So call us today for a complimentary no-obligation consultation. A unique approach to financial planning. Welcome back to Financial Plan and Explain, and we're talking about the student loan forgiveness topic, which has been uh, rather big over the course of the past week, ever since uh, President Biden signed an executive order to provide a variety of different things. So uh, we're going to pick up where we left off with just a couple other things about the student loans, and more so of not as much the forgiveness, but just talk about student loans in general, how their repayments are. You know, you can pick a regular payment program, which is a standard you know, over 15 years or 20 years or whatever the case. We talked about fixed versus variable rates, but they have other types of programs. I think it's income-based. Yep. So uh, what are they? The income-driven repayment plan, um, that is, it takes a percentage of your discretionary income 
which is your income after you know payments for housing, food, things that you simply can't live without. Um, and it takes a percentage of that. Now, what it used to be was 10 to 20% of your discretionary income, if you are an income-driven replacement plan, would be used, would be qualified to be made towards student loans, right? So if I was making $1,000 a month in discretionary income, $100 to $200 would be eligible that they say, you have to make this payment plan. What they're doing is they're cutting that in half. They're gonna make it 5%. Now there's a lot of different things that go on when you make the discretionary income threshold 5%. What it's gonna do is they've worked out the math and whether or not it holds true is if you make the federal minimum wage of $15 an hour, your discretionary income would be so low that you wouldn't actually have to make any sort of payments to your student loans. And Except for one problem, aren't you gonna be basically a reverse amortization in that your balance continues to go up, 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 up because of the interest is accumulating? And the other piece of that that kind of folds into the um, public service loan forgiveness is after 10 years, if you are under a certain income threshold, and or if your loan balance starts out under $12,000, you will have your loan forgiven after 10 years. So if you're just making... If you haven't made any payments in 10 years on a $12,000 loan, then you're not making very much money. Well, that's the thing. And I, the focus of it is to make community college free, or to a certain extent. You know, the first two years of community college, if you have less than $12,000 loan there, you can get that forgiven after 10 years of making your income-driven repayment. Right, that's one piece, but what about the public service uh, loan forgiveness one? So the public service loan forgiveness, how that currently works is it applies to federal, state, and local government workers, military, and nonprofit employees, right? So nonprofit could be working for a hospital, a school, what have you. Right. Um, and what that is, is it says that if you make 120 months or 10 years of payments, it doesn't have to be consistent. If you make 10 years, or yeah, 120 months of monthly payments, you can qualify for public service loan forgiveness, which no matter how big your loan is, will forgive your loan. I know, it's a beautiful thing. We've got a client with a couple hundred thousand dollars in yeah. loans because he's if, a physician. If you're a doctor, actually, if you're right. a teacher, you know, you got these massive student loans and, you know, you make your income-driven repayment plan payments. It has to be an income-driven repayment plan for the public student loan forgiveness program. Okay. Um, and if you make your payments after 10 years, you know, it's, it gets wiped out. Is that only for government loans? That yes. is only for federal loans. Okay. Again, yes, for federal employees. Um, yeah. Right, okay. Cool. So here's what we're going to do now. We're going to pick up with uh, Q&A. Uh, a lot of times the Q&A can spur discussion. So here we go. So first question that we picked up, these are questions that were either asked of us or we picked them off the internet of general questions that people are asking. So what loans qualify for forgiveness? It's federal government loans, yeah. right? Okay, yep. we got that. Uh, was there a specific deadline or cutoff point for forgiveness? And I think they were saying, well, that could be answered in two different ways. Yeah, for the loan origi origination, it had to originate before July of 2020. Right. So, you know, if you're going into school this semester. 2022. 2022, sorry, right. excuse me. 2022, if you're going into school this semester, your loans unfortunately will not qualify for the forgiveness. And in terms of the dead deadline to apply, you have till the end of the year. So we talked about that final um, grace period that they're offering through December 31st. So you'll have to apply for the forgiveness prior to December 31st to receive it. Which then raises the next question, Nick. How do you apply? So a lot of the stuff that's, as, as Mike brought up in the beginning of the episode, a lot of it's still up in the air and there's not 100% you know, ironed out at this point. 
So as of right now, you're going to have to apply through the Department of Education website. We could see that application coming out in four to eight weeks is the timeline they had presented, so once again, not final. Um, for those that are already on an income-driven repayment plan, you might not even have to apply. Right, because they have it. They, they have already your have, income already yep. because this is income-driven. Yep, exactly. And the income repayment programs already have your income from 2020, mm -hmm. 2021, and everything else like yeah. that. So that makes sense. Yeah. But boy, I'll tell you what, when it comes to free money and sign up, I, I, you'd be silly, foolish. If you don't do foolish. it, you don't get it. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> I, you know, I don't know yeah. how else to say. Silly and foolish yeah. probably are two very soft words <laughs> of saying yep. if you don't apply by December 31st. Yeah, yeah and, and you can stay up to date with this whole process through the Department of Education's website. You can sign up to even receive emails when all this stuff goes live. Perfect, yep. perfect. And do current students qualify for forgiveness? Yep, but once again, if you're claimed as a dependent, it's going to be off your parents' income. Right, which, by the way, we, we touched upon this earlier, yep. and we talked about this earlier as well, is that each student qualifies for up to 10 or 20, but we'll just say $10,000, mm -hmm. and a parent will also qualify for only one loan, or, or up to $10,000 yeah. for one person. So it's on a per-person basis, not a per-student basis. Yeah. That's how it appears right now. I mean, like we said, the details are still being ironed out, but as of right now, they're treating it on a borrower basis. So we touched on if a parent and a student each have a loan, they could both receive forgiveness. Right. Well, but if one parent has five kids, exactly. they only you get one. You don't get five fifty thousand dollars of forgiveness. Right. Yeah. Which leads to the question, you know, if I have five kids, which can I apply can I choose who I apply to? Can I choose which loan I get to apply to? These are these are Yeah, obviously. Are yeah. yeah, they they Pull this together. It's typical of the government to throw something together <laughs> and then ask questions later. Yeah, you know. Okay, it's our government at work. Um, government work in the same sentence. Oxymoron kind of thing. Sorry. Um, how long is this process going to take? I mean, I, I've read that you know you get the application in. Yeah. And it's going to, once we, as we said before, it's going to be quicker for those that are already on the income driven, right. and then it could be anywhere from six months maybe even more for those that are have to apply. Right, so. which means that the poor loan service providers are going to be getting calls yeah, constantly. Yeah, they're already getting calls out there. Right, of course, of course. All right, what else we got here? Uh, oh, good question. What are the tax implications of this loan forgiveness? So in 2021, Biden signed the American Rescue Plan. Um, that made all debt forgiveness tax-free at the federal level. Now, with that in mind, there are currently 13 states that don't conform to this. Pennsylvania, New York, West Virginia, Virginia, just to name a few. I believe there's 13 total. So those states aren't currently conforming to that. So in those particular states, it could potentially be taxable on the state level, of course. Now, keep in mind the states do have the opportunity to change this. So it's not set in stone, but it's just something to keep in mind. Right. And for those who are business owners, this sounds a lot like the PPP program. So with the federal government in uh, 2020, when they were given COVID money to business owners, they were given them as loans uh, later to find out that they didn't have to repay the loans and then later to find out that they didn't have to take it as ordinary income. Now, typically, prior to the American Rescue Act, what happens is that, you know, this, this happened if you had short selling a home or other type of debt forgiveness. If they forgave 20 grand in debt, great, you're off the hook. However, you get a 1099 for 20 grand. So you have to pay taxes on it. But what we're saying here is with the American Rescue Act, they made it so that it's not taxable at the federal level, and then it's up to the state. There are 13 states who don't conform with the federal government, Pennsylvania, New York, West Virginia, Virginia being a couple of them on the East Coast. 
um, they still have the ability to say, all right, we're, we're not going to tax it, but yeah. we still don't know. It's up in the air. Right. But I would rather pay tax on 10 grand than pay 10, than grand. 10 grand. Yeah. Just say, <laughs> okay. Especially the state tax. It's not, it's not that yeah. bad. I know. That's right. Pennsylvania, it's 3%. Um, okay. What about parents who have taken out the Parent PLUS loan? We just talked about that a few minutes ago. Are both students and parents eligible? We talked about that yep. also a few minutes ago. Yep. As long as they're separate loans, they're both eligible. Right. Okay. And then are graduate student loans eligible? Yes. Yep. yep. Okay. But you can't, you know, again, it's per borrower, so you can't get 10 off your undergrad and 10 off your graduate loans. Right. It's yeah. per borrower. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, I'll tell you what. We did a pretty good job answering most of these questions. That what if I made payments uh, during the COVID-19 pause? Uh, Plus, mm -hmm. well, you can get the repayment yep. for that. Potentially. Potentially. Yeah. Thank you. Um, what about student loans in default? Do they qualify for forgiveness? They actually do qualify. So if you haven't been able to make payments prior to the pause and your loans are in default, they actually do qualify. So once again, based on your income, but they do in fact qualify. Okay. That's pretty ama amazing. What year will they be basing or not? They're basing it on 2020. One other 2021. Or 2020. Or right. 2021. Yep. One other thing that I wanted to clarify too was with the Pell Grant recipient, we didn't really cover this, was if you receive the Pell Grant one time, if you got a partial Pell Grant, um, you are, you're eligible for the $20,000. You didn't have to receive it you know, every semester. If you got it once, you're eligible for the full $20,000 relief. And another thing too is if you have $6,000 of student loan debt, and you're thinking, you know, they're going to forgive six thousand. I'm going to get four thousand. They only forgive up to what you have to. Yeah, right. Wouldn't yeah. that be? Hey, I heard, I heard, so, I heard someone, ask, someone asked me. They're like, I only have five thousand dollars. Do I get five grand? Like, no, sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wouldn't that be a nice thing? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, what other things on this topic? Um, so there was a number one. So the deferment, mm -hmm. they they extended for a final time <laughs> through December thirty first. Right. It's final yeah. until the next time. Right. Well. Yeah. Well, no. I'm sorry. That's because the elections are over. <laughs> no, I'm not talking politics here. <laughs> Promise. I lied. All right. So anyway, so that was it. Um, the second item we talked about, you had the student loan forgiveness. What was the second? They made um, it more manageable. You yeah. know, they extended the public service loan forgiveness program and they extended the debt repayment or the repayment structure for the income-driven yeah. repayment plans. Yeah. Right. Which what it's worth you know if you're not going to have it if you have a sizable loan and you're not you know if you won't qualify for loan forgiveness completely through the PSLF program or other means the income driven plan if you have the means you know I know personally I'm on the income driven plan the first two years are interest only so you're are not you suggesting that I'm not paying you enough money <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yes <laughs> no but you know you can get yourself into a trap you know you Paying very little on your loan, it sounds really nice, you know, because a lot of people can only afford so much, but just always know that if, you know, you don't want to just let this thing crater out of control. Oh, snowball out of control. without a doubt. You know, one of the things we talked about um, were debt repayment programs. Okay, you know, I say programs, uh, strategies, it's probably the better word, mm -hmm. is what you're talking about are more defined by the government, which I personally think makes sense. You know, I think, what, so what is it? Once you graduate, you're automatically in deferment for six months, correct? Yep, yep. And that's period. all loan, private and government? Not, Not private. sure about private, no. but government. But government, okay. Yeah. So the fact that they have this type of program, I think makes sense. I mean, you think about it. You're graduating from college, you got, you haven't really jumped into, 
your career yet. Oh, and yeah. it takes time to get involved in your career. You got costs and everything else. I think it makes sense, and I really like the concept of that program. Um, but again, if you're only paying, call it minimal payments, you run the risk of effectively not paying down your loans anytime soon. Now, how long does that income-driven thing go? They they can go. Uh, the one I was cur was on was twenty-five years. Twenty-five years. That's w exactly because you got two to five years of paying interest only, which makes I'm only paying a hundred, two hundred bucks, right? That's great. Well, that's because you're not even taking your balance down. You're right. just maintaining it. Right. So, and then the next couple of years, you pay a little bit more principal and a little bit more, and it, but it's just it's just. What if your income never never? Are you always going to have these student loans going on in perpetuity? Uh, no, because what they do is they have the first couple of years are interest only, but then they start tackling principal. Okay. Know, so they increase the percentage of your required payment over time. Over even time. if you're now all even of a if sudden your arguing, okay, yep. so then you shouldn't have gone to college. Well. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, this also applies to students who didn't graduate. This applies to students who didn't graduate. This applies to trade school. This applies to. If you have a federal student loan, it applies to you. Right. And That's that can apply to a lot of different things. So we talked also about strategies of paying off loans. And mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot of different strategies out there. But I know one thing um, that we have referenced as far as parents paying loans. Okay, it, With a parent plus loan, is the student also named on the loan? No. I don't believe I don't so. believe I don't so. know 100%, but I don't believe it's a parent's loan. It's a parent's yes. loan. So one of the other things that I've also talked about, particularly with the unsubsidized loans, even though a student is in college, I always encourage if the parents, a lot of times parents get the loans with the intent of still paying them off. And even if they're not, I still encourage the parents to make minimal loan payments along the way while they're still in school because it's on the child's debt. Yep. And what happens is that you know, the child graduates from college and all of a sudden they've got all these loans that have been paid. That gives them really, really good credit. Yep. And so we encourage that type of program if the parents were planning on paying it uh, to be paying off these loans to help create favorable credit scores for the kids. Yeah. Then the other thing is that loan consolidation has its advantages and disadvantages. You know, and I've seen folks coming in with 10 loans. It happens a lot. Yeah. Eight loans, one per semester for yep. four years. Exactly. Okay? So they have all these loans and they say, I don't want to have eight loans, let me just consolidate them into one payment. On the surface, it sounds like it makes a lot of sense. However, it's like a mortgage. If you have a thousand dollar a month mortgage payment for thirty years, and you decide to pay five thousand this month, how much is your payment next month? A thousand dollars. So that doesn't help you. What we generally will recommend is you. You had a couple names for it: Avalanche and what? Snowball. Snowball. Those are the two common debt repayment strategies, just for general, not just for student loans. The snowball is where you start with your lowest balance, pay that off. Then you move up to your next lowest balance and so on and so on. The avalanche is where you tackle your highest interest rate first and then work your way down. Right. Okay. So both of them make sense. Yeah. And, and I always try to combine the two. I never knew they had names to it. Yeah. Uh, if you have one of your smaller loans with a high interest rate, I always suggest tackling that first because what that does is if I had eight loans on the books, and let's say, for instance, there are 200, 150, 100, and all these different 
loan balances or at least loan payments. What happens is if you pay one of them off, that is off the books and it effectively reduces your minimum monthly payment. Yep. Well, okay, great. You can look at it from two perspectives. One perspective is if my minimum payment went from 850 to 800, yeah, okay, well, how much is that really gonna help? But if I have a tight month, at least it's 50 bucks less. Yeah. But more importantly, is if you are applying for any type of credit, then what it does is they look at your income. And if they look at your income and they look at your expenses, your expenses are your student loans. And if you can pick a few of them off as you go along, not to mention the, you know, yeah. it's almost like the mortgage burning ceremony. Yep. <laughs> you, know, you pick one off and it makes you feel good. Mm -hmm. So anyway, uh, that's about all we got. Is there anything you want to add that, that you think is important on this topic? Covered a lot. I think it's just important to remember that it's all very premature at this point. So right. just things can change. Keep that in mind. And that's, that's the important thing to remember. Yeah. Great. Well, guys, thanks a lot. Uh, I know for your sake, I hope that, um, that these things pass. For my sake, who's paying the bill? I'm not <laughs> sure that I'm excited about it, but that's a separate issue. Um, but anyway, so we deal with this all the time. It's, it's a very important component of whether it be the parents or the students graduating from college. It's a very important financial issue. And right now it's in question, but one of the things that we would encourage is, you know, get your arms around what you got going on. Okay, don't bury your head in the sand. Know what you've got for your student loans, know who's providing them and get your arms around it because you know, here's a way of getting free money, so to speak. And, you know, that's all I can say. Now, one thing we would also encourage, if you do have any questions, you know, certainly you can call your loan providers. Um, but if you'd like to give us a call, you're welcome to call us as well. Uh, we're more than happy to provide you with assistance. So uh, thank you guys for being on the show today and providing your input. And thank you for joining us. I appreciate you taking the time uh, to view our show. I certainly hope that you learn something about this new program that's coming out. And, and we'll see you next week. Thank you very much. Have a great day and have a great week.